Okay. So we started last week what? The Book of Judges. Book of Judges, okay. Can you tell me anything about what we learned last week? Judges. There was giants that got killed by people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> by who? That's the important one. The Israelites, yes, but there was a specific guy that was important. Caleb. And you remember his Caleb Caleb killed that giant. And Joshua. And then his Then his brother's son was important. Do you remember that? Because he married Othniel, yes. His cousin. So Othniel was his nephew, right? Or something, right? And he marries who? Ooh, if you remembered this, that'd be worth a it's lot. It's a lady that's related. It, it is. is. Starts with an A. Aksa. Can't remember that? Nope. No one's going to name their children Aksa? No. Okay. <laughs> You're so confident. You don't know. There's so many things that happen in your life. Yeah. Could, you could change your mind. Come here, Aksa. 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 There's more of a chance of me naming Aksa. <laughs> okay. So Othniel marries Aksa, and uh, Othniel is Caleb's brother's son. All right. So you remember what was the problem with Israel last week? That's the, that's what we're looking they for. What was the problem? Let, they let the tribes live and without killing them. Okay. Let all of them? No, some of them. And what did they figure was good enough? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna tax them, man. It's gonna be awesome. We're gonna make money. Just it'll be perfect. But God's God's uh, plan and God's rule for them was do what with them? Kill them. Kill them. Get them out of here. We don't want them here. Okay. And we saw some of the evil things. One of the kings that was introduced to you. Remember what he did? Cut off their toes. And yes, <laughs> cut off their thumbs and their toes. Right. How many of them? Big toes and thumbs. Big toes and thumbs. So they cut them off and had to crawl and eat scraps. Yes. How many of them? You remember? No. How many? He took 70 of his enemy kings, cut off their toes and thumbs, and made them crawl around in his chamber when he was eating so that they, like dogs, and said, <laughs> you eat off the ground. Okay? Just to be nasty. That was it. Right? So they were, and that was kind of sport for him, was to see people suffer and think that was hilarious. Who was it again? That was one of the, I don't remember his name. It, he was an enemy that, I don't know, you, you said his name. I made you pronounce the whole thing, wasn't it? It was a long one. Edonabizek. Mm. There it is. Adonabizek, okay? So, not that his name is important, but his attitude was important. Now, they were to get rid of all these people. And so they didn't do it, right, under Joshua, but they did more when Joshua said, get up and go do it. But then the tribes were going to continue to be there. And God says, you are going to learn lessons from these tribes. Because you wouldn't get rid of them, you are going to learn lessons from them. So, parallel to our lives, right? 
This is what the Bible does, is it takes a story, teaches a story about here's what God does in this case. And the point of why we look at these things and learn about these things is to parallel what's happening in the Bible and apply it to our lives. So God is saying, remember they were way back in Israel, right? They started in slavery. Slavery back here. That's the Nile River. There you go. Right? And they go out and they're supposed to go in the promised land, but they don't do it. So they go in the wilderness for 40 years because they don't have faith. Right? The promised land is what in your life? I know what somebody's going to want to say. And it's not true what they want to say. <laughs> God's plan for your life. Yes, it is not heaven. The promised land is not heaven. Okay? We sing a couple of songs in choir. One about Beulah land. Okay? And Beulah land is I've reached the land of corn and wine. With all its riches freely mine. Here shines on dim one blissful day for all. Remember? Pass mm away. -hmm. So pass away, right? Yeah, so, so basically, it is following God's plan in your life. And they had, God had this plan go in, take these giants, do what you need to do, and only two people believed. So they were forced to, as a, as a nation, lose the entire generation of people, except for Caleb and Joshua, which were the only two people in the whole nation that believed. Now, that wasn't true because there were kids there. And anybody 20 years and under lived and went to the promised land when they when they didn't go into the promised land the first time. The people that were 20 years and under were still safe. God brought them into the promised land. They were the old people. They were 60 when they hit the promised land. Okay? And all of their children after. God made that cutoff. And if you were 21, I'm sorry, you didn't make it. Okay? But the, the idea was that generation was not going to go on. They didn't have faith. So they wouldn't follow God's plan, and so God took them and took care of them with daily manna and meat and all sorts of water in the wilderness, all the things they had to have and guided them, but they did not have the blessings they could have had if they would have believed in the first place, had the faith in the first place to take a step and, and beat those nations out. So those nations for 40 years grew stronger. Right? And that, the parallel with our life is we get freed from slavery, right? We ask Christ to forgive us. That's the first step. And then God says, I've got a great plan for you. Come on in. Start with this victory. You can start today. And we say, oh, I don't know. That's hard. I mean, every day I have to pray. Every day I have to read things. Every day. I mean, I, I can't do that. I can't trust you in this part. I mean, I want to do what's good, but that's really hard. All those things are those steps of faith where we step back and say, I don't know if I can quite do that. So those are the struggles. And God, if you do not have the faith you need in your life, when it comes to a moment in your life where you say, I will not enter the promised land, God says, well, I'm not letting you anymore. I will take care of you. I will walk through. You are one of my children. 
but you will not have the best that I wanted for you, so you'll have the second best. Which is what that first generation had. It's kind of sad, really. You know, it's kind of really a sad choice, like, oh, what could have happened? What could they have had if they had just gone in and taken the promised land? So, needless to say, didn't make the choices, and we do that. A lot of times we say, God says, I want you to believe here. I want you to battle. I want you to put this sin away in your life. And we say, eh, I, I really think it's a good thing that I do this, but I just can't quite get rid of them all the way. And that's what happened when, when they finally went in for victory. They didn't. They left these little pockets of people all around. And they said, they'll be fine. We'll take, we got it under control. And that's exactly what we do with things in our life. We hold them in, those little sins, whatever they might be. Maybe it's our mouth. Maybe it's our attitude. Maybe it's what we look at, our self-control, the thoughts that we have, whatever we struggle with. Sometimes anxiety, okay? being nervous about everything. If we can't give those things over to God and learn to give them over to God in faith, then those are like leaving those little towns. And they will come back at us and back at us and back at us again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And it's annoying to say it, but again in our life. And they will be constant lessons from God because we just couldn't learn to keep our mouth shut way back when. When God says, do it. Now, you can't change everything immediately, and that's not what God is saying. But when God brings you to the city and says, here's the thing we're dealing with today, and you say, well, I'll get this part and do this, but not this part. We compromise. In God's plan, there is not compromise. Not with sin. You can compromise with people about lots of things. You can compromise and get along with lots of things. But you don't compromise with sin, you say. God says, get rid of it, get rid of it. So we live the consequences, and that's exactly what they're doing. Now they're living the consequences. The whole book of Judges is all about living the consequences of leaving them behind. So God still loves them and still takes care of them, but they will struggle and they will struggle and they will struggle as many of us humans do in our life because we just can't let go of something. Whether it be pride, just that little bit left. We've, we've dealt with it here, but there's sort of a secret little bit here that I'm super prideful about, but I can't talk about it because I'll tell you how humble I am over here. Well, maybe in saying how humble you are, you might be prideful. Ooh, that's kind of clever and <laughs> sort of sneaky, isn't it, that whole thing? All right? So there, it is easy for us to trip up on the same things. All right, so let's get to Judges chapter 3. We will see where we pick up Judges chapter 3. We are going to pick up with the first couple judges here. And look at these stories, Judges chapter 3, verse number 1 through 8. Now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them, even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan. 
Verse 2. Only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them war at the least, such as before knew nothing <clears throat> So these are who they're battling. I'm sorry to uh, interrupt, but here's what it is. You're going to learn this, and here's the major groups that are left. Go. Five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites. And the Sidonians. Yep, Sidonians. And the Hivites. Hivites that dwelt in Mount Lebanon. Lebanon. From Mount Baal Hermon. Baal yep. Unto the Entering of okay, so those are the groups they left behind. And they will pay for it again and again and again. Continue, please, through verse 8. And they were to prove Israel by them, to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, which had which he commanded their fathers by the and the children of Israel dwell among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. There you go, more of them. Oh man, they're everywhere. And they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons and served their gods. Wait a minute. I thought they were just going to tax them. Right? Like slaves. Yes, but. But. Well, she's kind of pretty, so I'll marry her. And I like him. He's big and strong, so I'll kind of marry him. It's okay. We've been around. He's not a bad guy. And that's the way that compromise begins. And God knew it. And God didn't care about mixing of the people. But what he cared about is the very first thing they did was once they married him, they turned to the other God. It's like, and I'm the one that just brought you here in this land. I gave you this land. And you still compromise and compromise and compromise. The Israelites are really messing up. Go ahead, continue. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, they got the Lord their God and took them in the Therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them unto the hand of... Uh, there you go. <laughs> Chushan Rishathaim. Yes, Chushan Rishathaim. It kind of rolls off. Maybe that's what Gideon's going to name his son. <laughs> Chushan Rishathaim. Rishathaim, right? Okay, finish the verse. I'm sorry. Oh, look at his there again. Right? Damn. <laughs> Eight years. Okay. So, you ever heard of Mesopotamia? Yes. Right? Cradle of civilization, right? Isn't that what they say? Right? So, where's Mesopotamia located? For those of you who are. It's the Fertile Crescent between. And the Tigris and Euphrates River made like kind of a crescent moon. Wow. And they say the fertile, the, the, the cradle of civilization was there. In other words, mankind came roughly out of there. Um, which you'll find, I believe, the Tigris River was one of the original rivers. I think it was Tigris. 
Uh, it's one of the two rivers. That was one of the original rivers that bordered the Garden of Eden, Eden you will find. Um, but God has that protected either way, so you won't find it. You can go look all you want, you won't find it. Uh, but either way, imagine that, the cradle of civilization, right where God said it is. Oh. Mankind found that out after a few thousand years. Pretty smart of them. So, um, <clears throat> here they are, and their first king, what's his name? Chushan Rishathaim, okay? He comes in from Mesopotamia for eight years. Okay, this is Mesopotamia. For eight years. Eight years, he enslaves all of Israel. Oh man, I thought they were supposed to be free. But they didn't quite get rid of the people. And so, in they come. And they take over and they enslave all of Israel. So, now what? Well, we find out what happens next. Verse number 9, 10, and 11. Nope, so I think we missed verse 9, right? And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them, even Othniel, son of Kenaz. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Who was he? Hale's younger brother. Hey, hey, it says it there. Imagine that. Kenaz was Hale's younger brother, right? So here he is. He did a feat of uh, strength and bravery, etc., etc. A little while back, he was one of the people that says, I'll step up and take that people, right? And he went and he fought and he won. He won Aksa along with winning God's approval because he had the faith to do it. And when he got God's approval, God says, You're first. Chushan Rishastham, or whatever his name is, okay, has taken over for eight years, and eight years, Othniel sits and watches as people are oppressed, as people are taken over, as people let these people come in, and Israel is enslaved, and it burns Othniel. And Othniel says, God can't we do something about this? Along with a lot of other people crying out to God and God says, you. Go get him. And so, how did Othniel win? It's right in the verse. How did Othniel win? The Spirit of God was with him. You cannot win without the Spirit of God. You will not ever, 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 ever win battling against your own sin. You can try to change your habits. You can do your 30 days, because they say, well, after 30 days, you change your habit. And after about one day, you put a habit back on. That's the truth. Sin is in our nature. 
nature is the most difficult thing. The core being of who we are as a human, you're not going to change that because you want to. You can only change it because God as a spirit can enter you and change you from the inside out. That's the only way to do it. Just like Othniel is only going to beat these, they've been enslaving him for eight years. Why all of a sudden today can he take over and win? Because God says, go, do it. I'll be with you. And they beat them all back and they kill them and they're gone. Okay? And after he does it, how long does Othniel judge? So he's sort of like a king, but not really a king. He's a judge. And what does a judge do? What's a judge? Here today, what is a judge? What do they do? They interpret the law. Absolutely. They, you come up with your problem, she comes up with her problem, here's my problem I got with this person, here's the problem I got with that person. Um, Gideon was in charge of filling in the roads and there was a big pothole and wrecked my car. Gideon. So you go to the, the law and the judge says, Gideon, did you fill in the potholes? And the judge says, oh, Gideon says, yes. I did it every single day. Well, how come it wasn't? There was a pothole still. Well, along came Phoebe, driving like a wild maniac, and knocked the, the pothole stuff out. And then along came Natalia, and you and her tire got wrecked. So the judge says, well, looks like Phoebe's got to pay for it, and not you. <laughs> so there's got to be wisdom. And you judge things by circumstances and by the law. And so the judges would have people come to them and say, here's my problem. This guy did this to me. Uh, this happened to him. He was out, uh, knocked over a bucket of paint. The paint hit an axe head. The axe head flew over, hit a tree. The limb fell down and killed my goat. <laughs> okay? He owes me for a goat. And they would have to go through and judge of what the law says, because there were things that the law said and things that the, didn't, the law didn't say. Okay? And they have to judge according to the law, this is what you get. Uh, and there are many things of returning things that were stolen, returning things that were killed, even by accident, to people where it was in the law. So he had to know the law, read the law, and follow the law, and then judge for people and have some wisdom. And that's what God put as a leader to have some wisdom. Not a king, but the judge typically picked up the army. Typically. That was the expectation. We will come against some that struggle with that. All right. So, how long does he reign for, or is he a judge for? 40 years. Okay, Othniel is 40 years. So, eight years of Mesopotamia. And Othniel, then they're resting for 40 years. Everything's wonderful until Othniel dies. And you will see what continues to happen. Verse number 12 through 14, please. And the children of Israel did evil again in sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek 
Yep. And when and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. So the, so the children of Israel served Ebon, the king of Moab, 18 years. Okay. How long? Who is it? Moab. Moab comes in. Eglon. For how long? Yep. Eglon. 18 years. 18 years of Eglon. serving another? Oh, man. Okay. This is kind of annoying. We just got out of it. We're into it. But 40 years passes. And again, that's probably most of that generation's gone. And so they start turning away from God. Soon as Othniel's gone. They soon forget him. Be careful not to forget those leaders that come through and are gone in your life. Remember what it was like. Leaders are important. Okay? Very important. But remember what it was like when that leader was here. All right. Now we're going to read a cool story, verse 15 through 26, because God's going to raise up a judge named Ehud. Ehud's cool. All right. But when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up to deliverer Ehud, the son of Jira. Jira. Oh, Jira. Uh, Benjamite, a man left-handed, and the, and by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Israel. Any lefties here? Yeah, sort of. Like, this guy is for you, left-handed. It's important. Go ahead. But Ehud engraved him a dagger which had two edges of a cubit length, and he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh. All right, so he takes his left hand, he puts it inside his cloak, inside his clothes, a dagger. That's a cubit long. How long is a cubit? Tip of your finger, tip of your elbow that's of a. a okay, that's a long dagger. Is it like? <laughs> it's a it's a long dagger. How's that? <laughs> it's a two-edged cubit long dagger. Yes. A dagger is a sword. All right. So he makes this two-edged knife, hides it in his cloak, and he's a left-handy, right? So he's ready. All right, keep going. Yes, he was, because you'll find out how fat. Keep going. Ooh, this is great. I got a present for you, King Eglon. It's great, but I can't show it to you when anybody else is here. So everybody leaves. It's just him and the king. Wow, he's setting him up. Go ahead, keep going. But he himself turned again from the queries that were by Gilgal and said, I have a secret errand unto thee. Okay, who said, keep silence. And all that stood by him went out from him. I even have a secret for you. Much less a gift, but a secret. So, shh, nobody can hear it. And he had came into him, and he was sitting in a summer car with which he had for himself a what is it? Verse 21. And Ehud put forth his left hand and took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into the 
<laughs> That's my message for you. Okay, go ahead. Keep going. And the haft also went in after the blade, and the fat closed upon the, bla the blade, so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly, and the dirt came out. Okay, what's a haft? Like Come on, you weapons, guys. The thing that holds, guards your hand? Yeah, that's the thing. So basically, he shoved it in so hard into his belly that the handle, the fat closed over the handle, and he couldn't yank it out. But now he's in trouble. He wants his dagger back, but he just killed the king, right? So, the king of Moab. So, keep going. Verse 23. Yeah, I think it's you. Then Ehud went forth through the porch and shut the doors of the parlor upon him and locked When he was gone out, his servants came, and when they saw that he hold the doors of the parlor were locked, they said, Surely he covers his feet in his summer chair. Oh, he's taking a nap. Leave him alone. Keep going. And they tarried till they were ashamed, and behold, the, uh, he opened not the doors of the parlor. Therefore they took the key and opened them. And behold, their Lord was fallen down dead on the earth. Alright, so they waited and waited until they were like, I've never seen the king sleep this long. Well, he's going to sleep forever, okay? This is, this is the kind of sleep where he's done. Verse number 26. And he did escape while they tarried and passed beyond the quarries and escaped unto Sarah. Okay, so quarries are basically the guards, okay? All the guardsmen around, alright? So verse number 27 through 29, now Ehud is out. The king of Moab is dead. They just found out they're coming after him. He doesn't even get his dagger. No, he doesn't get his dagger back. Got to get a new sword. Okay, so they're coming after him. Verse number 27, 28, and 29. And it came to pass when he was come that he blew a trumpet in the mountain of Ephraim. And the children of Israel went down with him from the mountain. And he said unto them, Follow after me, for the Lord hath delivered your enemies, the Moabites, and they went down after him and entered the forest of Jordan, for Moab, and suffered none man to pass over. And they slew of Moab, Moab at the time about ten thousand men, all lusty, and all men of valor. Yep, men of valor. So they were strong kind of men, lusty men, not lust that you normally think of, but lusty being like powerful, strong men, men of valor. Keep going. And all men, wait, and there escaped not a man. Nobody lived. Verse 30. So more was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, the land that rest four scorpions. All right, so there it is. He comes in, kills the king, the armies come after him, and Israel's ready. And they kill 10,000 Moabites, and they're done. That day. And how long does Ehud judge for? Four score. Four score. 80 years. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. 80 years. So we think that, uh, we think that Ehud was a pretty young man when he did this. 
I mean, maybe he lived till he was 100, and he was 20 when he went in to kill the king. King of Moab, okay? Sucked that blade right into his belly and walked away. I got a present for you. A message from God, right from you. This is what God thinks. You should be gone, okay? And so, God is with him. Again, they fight and battle. This is to show that it can be done. With God's help, you can slowly defeat sin, even if you have those sins that hang on in your life. The battle might be long and hard, and there may be things you need to give up in your life to do it, choices you need to make, but they do have victory, and when they have victory, after the victory comes a period of peace. Every time you see the cycle, eight years with enslavement, 40 years of rest. 18 years of enslavement, 80 years of rest, okay? They're all different. It's not the time frame that's the magic. It's that they listen to God. Now, there's one more judge just in one verse. He has one verse. I'm going to read that verse. Then we're going to, the last judge for today, verse 31, wherever we left off, please. And after him was Shangar, the son of Anak, which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox And he also delivered his food. Now, I don't know why Shamgar kind of got shammed here. <laughs> he got one verse, right, in the Bible. That's all he got. Killed 600 people, whatever. Okay, so an ox goad is a long pointy stick. So he killed 600 people in that verse. With a stick, right? <laughs> right? So basically an ox goad, if you're driving oxen, they're yoked together, right? They got a big piece of wood that connects their necks, and you don't, and you have a stick. And the stick is when it, you don't have reins, you know, like horses, you have reins and bits. The stick is, I have a pointy stick, maybe six, eight feet long, and I sort of poke the back end of them if they're going the wrong way. And then they go away from that. And so I poke that end, and they go away. And it's really not meant to kill anybody, but apparently, Shamgar was pretty good with an ox goad, and he killed 600 Philistines. Whether or not any of them were giants, we don't know. We only know one other partial verse that you would see in next week's, which really doesn't add a ton to it. It just says basically that there were a bunch of roads during Shamgar's time. So you know a little bit more about Shamgar, not much, but you know he killed 600 guys. You don't know how long there was rest for. You don't know if it was how long they were under the Philistines at that time. But the Philistines, you remember there were five Philistine lords we read about, right? Those Philistines will be thorns in their sides for years and years and years and years. Years to come, even after all the judges have passed by. And there's a little boy named David. Remember him? Little boy named David. Who's he killed? Goliath, who's a Philistine. So those things aren't quite gone because they never quite did the job they should have done in the beginning. So the consequences are continuous. Not that God isn't with them, not that he doesn't help them, not that he doesn't give them victories, but God's best plan was immediate obedience, and they would have had the best 
most peace as a nation, but instead they chose not to. And so with that, there were consequences. Same thing with us in our life. When we choose not to obey immediately with God, we hang on to things, our pride, whatever that is, our tongue, we can't stop saying things, however it is, our attitudes, however it is, whatever we struggle with, when we hang on to it and hang on to it and hang on to it, and God says, get rid of it. You know it's not right. Get rid of it. Let me come and help you. Well, I kind of like to do that. I like to be this way. It's a little challenge for somebody else around me. Everybody else is this way. And so we let things hang. And those things are things we pay for in the end. God knows it. He says, I want you to get rid of them. I want to help you do it. And we say, well, I kind of like being a little nasty once in a while to people. I don't mind it. It makes me feel good about myself. So we hang out of things, and God says, I wish you'd just get rid of it. I wish you'd learn how to have a, a better tongue, if that's what you struggle with, you know? And we say, eh, we're going to hang on to it. And so, we go and watch the cycle, and we watch the cycle. And we, God, I need your help. God raises a deliverer. They live through the life of the deliverer, and then go back again and do the wrong thing. Again and again and again and again. And so we learn that God can do good things. But you see the first three judges, they've had they've hit some bumps along the way, and that's what our life is often made of, is these bumps. That's why Judges is such a great, great book, because it's lesson after lesson after lesson. We struggle with the same things. And you will see weaknesses in judges, because they're humans. And you'll begin next week, you will start to see one of the first weaknesses that is laid out. We don't know much about the weaknesses of Ehud or Othniel. We don't know much about the weaknesses of Shamgar. But we will find out weaknesses starting next week with the next judge. All right. Thank you very much.